Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue, just west of the Cherryville Mall. Now here's Eric Dykstra with this week's message. All right. Well, it's good to be here today, isn't it? I don't know if you guys felt that just a sense of God's love being poured out into our hearts this morning. Um, it was interesting, as I was preparing over the last several weeks, even for this message, I touched base with Carolyn, who is up here leading worship on Monday of this week, and I just said, here's really kind of what I'm talking about today. It was from John 15, and this concept of abiding in Christ, and just this gift that we have from, from God for, for his people to really see God's heart. And uh, she sent me back a list of songs, and I was just amazed at how it captured exactly what I felt like God was kind of putting in my heart. And um, I believe there's no coincidences. And just, you're here for a reason, um, and I really believe that God's heart is for us to experience him today. Because I really believe, too, that, you know, the, the best thing that you can receive, rather than just hearing something up here from the pulpit or hearing a great teaching, is for you to encounter the love of God and for it to touch your heart in a way that begins to shift the posture of your heart and your thinking and the way that you go about relationships and the way that you go about living life on a daily basis, whether that's in your family, at your workplace. But when you carry an experience of the living God and you've had him touch your life, it enables you and it empowers you and it gives you a sense of life to live from the true identity that God has given you. And so that was my prayer coming into, you know, just having the opportunity to share with you today is that you would get an experience of God's heart rather than, you know, a bunch of to-dos or uh, three points of just, you know, application for you today. So that was really my heart. Um, I'm trying to think where to even begin. Um, even as we were worshiping, like, uh, I just had this sense today. I just saw this image of people coming into this room and if you guys know what like a geode is it's one of these rocks that looks rough on the outside and i just felt like there were people coming in here today or whether you're viewing online that just kind of have this mentality or this perspective of like everything in my life just seems rough but when you crack these geodes open what happens is from all the water and the moisture that penetrates within this rock as you crack it open and there's a beautiful like crystal that forms and it's absolutely stunning to look at. And I feel like what God is really communicating in his heart today to some of us is that even if you feel like your life is a mess right now, like there is a work of my spirit deep inside of you that's preparing you for something significant. And it's beautiful. God's heart sees where you're at and he's not embarrassed. He's not ashamed. He's not stressed out about where you're at in life, he's meeting you right where you're at today. And he's saying, even if on the outside people look at your life and they may say it's a mess, or maybe you've got people that are turning their backs on you or hurting you in unintentional ways, or maybe even intentionally, I want to assure you that God's love, when you connect with it and you abide in this place where his presence indwells you, he's going he's gonna to show up in a very significant way. And he's doing a work that you can trust that it's a beautiful work that only he can do in your life. So I just, I wanted to release that word to someone. I believe that just, that, that's meaningful and that's significant for you to receive that word. And so 
All right. Uh, I want to begin by doing something, uh, a little interactive exercise that I didn't get to do in the 8 o'clock service, because we've actually got people in here to actually do it, and this inquires everybody to get involved. It's a simple thing here. How many of you guys like springtime? How many of you guys like hearing a rainstorm on your roof? Anybody like hearing that? Well, here's what we're going to do right now. I want to create a rainstorm actually inside this building for you guys to actually make and to be a part of. So here's what I need you guys to do. You guys have four things that you're going to do with me, okay? And this sanctuary is actually built perfectly for this. We've got section one, okay? You guys are section one. Section two right here. Section three, you guys are section three and section four. I'm going to start over here, and I've got four things. When I point to you, you're simply going to do this action. Action number one. Everybody do this. And then I'm going to come to here, and then you guys are going to start doing this, okay? And it's just going to be a round thing. So you guys will be the last ones to start this. And then I'm going to come back here, and I'm going to go to action number two. And you're just going to do this. Everybody snap. So that's action number two. Action number three, when I come back over here, and you're going to keep doing this until I get to your section. You're going to see how this works. Action number three is you're just going to begin to pat on your knees, all right? Everybody got action number three? And action number four is you're still patting, but you're going to stomp your feet with it, all right? And then we're going to go around. So once we get up to the number four, I'm going to come back, and then we're going to go back down. So what you're going to hear is a rainstorm building, and then I'm going to come back, and it's going to slowly dissipate, just like a rainstorm coming in. And here's what I want you guys to think about. I want you to think about it being God's grace and God's love pouring over this place today. And I just want you to enjoy it and to receive it. This is kind of a prophetic image, I think, that God can instill in our hearts. It's fun. It's interactive. But there is a point of why I'm opening up with this. So I'm going to start over here. You guys are number one. Here's action number one. All right, group number two. Group number three. Four. We got the wind picking up. That's the wind. Group number one, Number you're doing this. Group number two. Group number three, and group number four. Hear it? Group number three, or group one, sorry. I often can't do two things at once, my wife says, and that's proof of it. Group number two, group number three, group number four. All right, here's the climate of it. Group number one, four, so we're doing this. Stomping the feet and patting two things at once. Group number two, all four. Group number three. And group number four. All right, there we go, okay, you hear the fullness. I don't hear many feet. I need to hear the feet more. There we go. All right, now we're going to start taking it down. Group number one, we're just padding. Group number two. 
three, four. All right, group number one, go down there. Group number two, three, four. Group number one, just the wind. Group number two, three, four. All right, group number one, nothing. Two, nothing. Three, nothing. And four. There we go. You guys just created a rainstorm inside of a building. How cool is that? <laughs> Part of doing that actually was for my own pleasure, really, but no. <laughs> um, the reason I kind of start with that is that I've been thinking a lot over these last couple of weeks about how God wants us to participate with him. And I've been thinking a lot about the relationship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have with one another and how they enjoy the fellowship of each other and how they love living in relationship with each other. And then as you think about how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the world, and they created Adam and Eve, I believe the greatest desire of his heart and, and, and the proudest moment that he had was when he created and brought breath into human beings. And it begins to show how, death, how, how, how much he desired to live in relationship with each one of us. And he wanted someone to go about life with and think about doing a rainstorm. I could have just got up here and demonstrated that myself, but it's a lot more of a group experience that we all get to be a part of. And it has much more of an effect when we do it together. And so when we think about doing something that you enjoy doing, and if it involves other people, think about the sense of joy and the love and the comfort and being connected with other people rather than doing it apart. I shared this with the group earlier is that I love baseball. And for me, I was kind of thinking about, well, could I play baseball without other people? Maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't it be very fun? <laughs> but think about doing something that you love apart from other people. God intended us and his purpose for us was to be in relationship, in community with one another. And that's exactly what his desire is for me and you on a daily basis. I believe the greatest revelation of his heart towards us is to enter into relationship with us. And we sang about it this morning, that there is such a tremendous and glorious love that he demonstrated to us by giving us his gift, this gift of his son, Jesus, to be redeemed, to be restored, and to be reconciled so that we could live in relationship with a living God again. Because think again back to uh, the Garden of Eden when he created Adam and Eve. And you think about chapter 3, when sin entered the world. And that's a lot of times what we get our minds locked into. But God really touched my heart this week. And he said, I believe one of the greatest tragedies about when sin entered the world was that it created broken fellowship with a living God. That relationship, the way it was meant to be, was lost. And it broke his heart. And now God says, what can we do to restore that relationship? Because I want to be a part of their lives, and I want them to experience the life that only I can give them. And so really, it goes back to the beginning of time. You see God's desire. You see his heart, and he wants to restore fellowship between us. I heard a guy once say, you know, when I go somewhere, it's never me alone. It's three plus me. 
And what he meant by that was that we carry the presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we're never alone. It's three plus me. And so when I go into a situation, I'm not walking into it by myself. I'm carrying the power, the presence, and the principles of a holy God who revealed himself through his word. He revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's now given us the Holy Spirit that enables us to have a greater revelation and a greater understanding of what living in community and relationship is really like. I want to pull, I actually don't have this one on the screen, but I want to go through a couple scriptures in Matthew because what I love about the Gospel of Matthew is that it, it shows the life of Jesus coming to reveal and unveil a kingdom that was not of this world. In a lot of the language, the stories that you see in the Gospel of Matthew, it's saying, just like Carolyn said this morning, that the kingdom of God is like. And I want you to hear these words from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And this is the Passion Translation. And for some of you, this may be a newer translation, um, but it was a, kind of a new translation that's in process of being developed. The whole New Testament is done along with Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, um, Isaiah, and Genesis. And the goal in the next couple of years is to have the Old Testament um, done. And it was guy, by a guy named Brian Simmons. And he was a traveling evangelist. He's got a very strong linguistics background, and um, I love the kingdom language and the kingdom revelation that he kind of captures in some of this. So that's the translation I'm reading out from this, but it says, this is Jesus saying to us, are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Come to me, and I will refresh your life, for I am an oasis. And I want you to hear that this morning. And think about that image of coming to an oasis. Think about being in a desert if you've ever been in there. And you need water. And you come to this oasis. It's a place of refreshing. It's a place of, of, of life being restored where your body's weary. It's tired. It's thirsty. And God is saying, come. It's not something that you got to produce. It's not something that you have to put up self-effort in order to get there. God's simply inviting you in today saying, come. Come in. Let me be a part of your life. Learn from me. And he says, I will refresh your life. That's a promise that we can have. Whether you're dry, whether you're full, whether you're empty, whatever the case may be, his promise is that he's an oak with you. And I want to show you what a life lived with I require of you will be pleasant. The yoke is, it often was a harness that was put on two oxen in order to accomplish yourself under my shepherding, under my heart, under my care, under my ways, and I'll lead you into places that you can't go on your own. I'll begin to show you a new identity. I'll begin to give you purpose and fulfillment in life that you can't experience on your own effort. Another thing he says in Matthew is, if you have an ear to hear, let him hear. And we've all got ears to hear. And it's about positioning our heart and making space to allow his word and the seeds of truth to be planted within our heart. I mean, in Matthew, he shares the parable of the four soils. To me, that's a representation of our heart and what happens when we hear God's word, when we read God's word. There's four things that can happen. And I would just encourage you to read that parable because it's a great illustration of the condition of our heart and where we're really at. And I won't go up and read these. I was going to read these, but Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be established. 
So God gives us this precedent about seeking his kingdom first. How many of you guys believe that there are two kingdoms that are operating in the world today? (laughs) There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. There's the kingdom of good and there's the kingdom of evil. And if you don't believe that, look at the news. Look at what you see going on in the world. But there's two kingdoms, and God is saying, okay, I've given you Jesus now who's going to be a visual example to you about what my kingdom is like and how to live in relationship with the people around you, regardless if the world's kingdom seems to be dominating right now. He says, my kingdom is still greater. So we've got to start, our starting point has to be different. We've got to take God for who he is to be. Because his word says that I am who I am. And our starting point has to be that God is who he says he is. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the giver of life. So that's got to be our starting point. Our worldview is that God is a good God. We may see terrible things happen, but he's still living in relationship. He is still the God we see revealed in scripture. And he still reveals himself to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a, there's a God, and there's a kingdom then. Because the, 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 the Gospels teach about this kingdom, that there's a kingdom yet to come, but when Jesus came, he was ushering in a new kingdom. And a lot of times we think that there's this kingdom that's talked about in Scripture as something far off. Well, the kingdom is here now. And it lives and it dwells inside of us. God puts the kingdom of God inside of us. And to have greater understanding of what his kingdom is like, we come to the word and the holy, we trust in the Holy Spirit when we read the word to enlighten us, to illuminate us. And he gives us a greater understanding about how we need to live in this world. And it's not a God that says, here's a list of do's and don'ts. And you get the whip if you do something wrong. That's not the God we serve. But God gives us these commands, and he says, I want to give you a life not to restrict you, but I want to give you freedom, and I want to give you the permission to become the full child or the full daughter that I've created you to be. Amen? So there's God, there's a kingdom, and then every kingdom has a king. Who's the king of God's kingdom? It's Jesus. His word says that Jesus came as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. And if you see all three of those in Scripture, you see how he operated in all three. But what what every good king has, and when he begins to rule the land, and when he begins to serve his people, if, if his heart is right, is, here's Jesus. And the Father has now just entrusted him with everything that they've created and everything that they've had. And so you've got a king in Jesus. And what is the king's most valuable thing in his kingdom? For Jesus, when he's living in right relationship, it's us. It's his people. It's not the resources. It's not the money. It's the hearts of those that he's created. It's you. It's me. So the most precious and valuable thing is our heart, is us as an individual. (laughs) I laughed because Carolyn uh, wasn't here during our first service. Uh, she led worship, but then she left. But the, she was talking about these parables, and I hit on this in the first service. But that parable in Matthew 13 about the kingdom of heaven is like 
a precious treasure hidden in a field. And I was thinking about that this past week, and as I was growing up, I was thinking back to when or how I used to understand the meaning of this parable. And a lot of times, maybe a lot of you have thought of it this way too, was that the, the, the treasure that was hidden in the field was Jesus. And we were the ones finding it. But the Holy Spirit shifted my focus this week. And, and recently, in the past few weeks, I've thought of it in a different context. And it was this. What if we're the treasure? What if we're the treasure that he placed in the world and he emptied heaven by sending his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins? That's the reckless love. That's the abandoned love that God said, you know what? I'm willing to put all my chips in because that son, that daughter is the one that I love. And he says then, what did he do? He said he hid the treasure. He says, I'm going to find my children and I'm going to hide them in me. And I'm going to keep them safe. I'm going to provide for them. And then it says he returned in all of his joy so that he could buy the field. And I believe that's what he does with each one of us, is he pursues us and he finds us in the middle of where we're at. And he shows up in a way that captures our heart. And he begins to shift the way that we think and see the world. It's like he gives us this new lens to see the world in a new way. And it's through the eyes of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's empowered through his Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. He's given to us as a gift. I'm going to pull this slide up. If you can go to that uh, quote here. Um, uh, this is a good one to start. Yeah, go, actually go back to that one. I want to give you kind of a visual that was shown to me uh, several years ago. Two kingdoms operating in the world. The world's kingdom on the left side, this triangle. God's kingdom on the right. And the way these two kingdoms often work is if you're a... Think about these. You see these circles in the triangle? Think about those representing the people within this kingdom. The triangle's a kingdom. And the circles are the people. Now, we all start at the bottom in the world's kingdom. And we all try to work our way up. Because what does the world offer? Self-promotion, self-preservation, self-effort. And so in order to get to the top, what begins to happen to the people around you? You become isolated. You become unfulfilled So a lot of times because you're pursuing so hard to get to the top of that triangle and you're willing to go to any length and it's all about what you gain from it. And so when you go to the top of the triangle, what happens a lot of times is that things fall apart relationally around us. Because the world's kingdom isn't based out of relationship, and it doesn't prioritize love. You come over to God's kingdom, and it's an upside-down kingdom. It's different than what we see operating in the world. You see, if you're that person at the bottom of God's kingdom, it's like we're working towards the top, and what happens? His kingdom is based out of love and relationship. And his greatest desire is for us to influence and come around and to bring other people around us. That's the way his kingdom operates. And so as we climb up, more people are influenced and we're brought into community and into fellowship with each other more. So there's a place of belonging. There's a place of identity that begins to be established. And this is the way that God's kingdom often works. Go ahead and go to that next slide. This is a quote from a guy named Dallas Willard. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he was a, a, great, a great mind. I've read a lot of his stuff. He was a philosophy teacher at the University of uh, UCLA. Um, but I loved his quote here about what it means to be a disciple. He said, being a disciple of Jesus means 
reacting to the world as he would react. Discipleship is the way to become the kind of person who does easily and routinely what Jesus said, does it without having to think about it. I want you just to look at that. Reacting to the world around us the way that Jesus does, not having to think about it, not having to strive about it, but how does that happen? How do you become a person with the character of Christ, the mind of Christ, desiring his will and his ways to be done? It comes back to seeing him in his word. It comes back to your prayer life. It comes back to having people in your life who can bring you into maturity, who have gone there before you. That's why I love reading about people in Scripture and finding the ones that resonate with my life. Because I can see myself in the Word. I can see myself interacting with God the way that Joseph did, the way that Daniel did, the way that David did. And I can see him bringing me up into a place where his presence is the thing that's leading me. His Spirit is guiding me. And there's this union. It's like a marriage. When you commit to a marriage, you're entering into a covenant. And you're now coming into an understanding that I have to live a certain way. And hopefully it's not this place of, I've got to do this, you know, or you feel restrained. But hopefully marriage brings us to a place where we're free and we enjoy each other because of the relational aspect. It's not just a duty. That's the way God's relationship is meant to work with us. It's love. It's relational. And it begins to set us free. And that's what you see from the Old to the New Testament, the Old Covenant versus the New, is now we're in a relationship where God dwells inside of us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, isn't, they're not at a place where we got to go in order to encounter him. You can wake up in the morning. You can be working on your car in the garage. You can be out playing baseball. You know God is right there with you. And he's smiling. I mean, I think if he was president, if I was out there playing baseball, man, he'd pick up a glove and he'd start playing catch with me. Start hitting fly balls. He'd be talking to me about how he loves baseball, the great players that have played the game. That's the kind of God that's relational, that's revealed in Scripture. And I kind of want to to, to get into John 15 here, because um, this was my main passage here, but this whole concept that God dwells within us, he gives us this powerful chapter in John 15 about what it means to abide. And if you could just pull it up here, I want to walk through a couple verses, and then I want to give you a couple tools that we are going to help you hopefully build a, a kind of a lifestyle of abiding, because I think for a lot of us as believers, we hear this word abiding, and it, it really means to remain and dwell in Christ. And I think for a lot of us, that can be elusive. What does it mean to really be led by his spirit on a daily basis? And is it possible? Well, I want to show you a few things from John 15, because the starting point is this. He says, I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. I want to just pause right there. Can you just go back there for a sec? says, I am the true sprouting vine. This is, we see the relationship between the Father and the Son right here. The Father is the sprouting vine, or yes, the sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my Father. So it's like the Father and Son right here are interacting, and they're living in relationship. Go ahead and flip to the next slide here. And then he says, he cares for the branches connected to me 
So the Father cares about each one of us that are connected to his Son, Jesus Christ. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. And I want to pause right here again because the Lord revealed something very significant to me when I read this verse that I had never caught before. That God connects with us in our low points. And I started to research what a vine dresser does. And as he's walking through trying to see where the potential is for fruit to go, he looks for the places where the branch is low to the ground. And he begins then to pick them up because he knows that at the highest point, he can lift them up to the highest point is where the greatest fruit and the most sap, the most nutrients can actually get to the branch in order to produce the fruit. And so I want you to be encouraged that whether you're in a low place right now, God is lifting you up and he's connecting you with the source of his life. And there's an ebb and a flow that begins to happen in a branch. You see, a branch actually produces fruit. There's, there's a season where you're producing and his life is allowing you to accomplish the works he's called you to do. There's a time to do. There is a time to influence and lead. And that's when the branch is producing fruit. And then after it's done producing fruit, the vine dresser comes in and what does he do? He cuts back the branch. Why does he do that? You may think that's cruel. But here's the reason why he does that so that it can produce more fruit, abundant fruit. Because the branch is already connecting, and he's saying, I'm going to provide everything that you need. So there's an ebb and a flow, and I've seen this in my own life. I've had several seasons where I felt like the Lord has pulled me back. I mean, I've had some very incredible fruitful seasons. And then all of a sudden, things come up, and it's like God just kind of saying, okay, I need to take you out of the front lines right now, and I need to prune you. I need to prepare you. I need to strengthen your root system because I need to get something inside of you that's going to prepare you for what I have next. And then it's about learning to trust in his plan, trust his character that, hey, it's okay. Like, I don't have to be on the front lines right now. I'm going to be okay being in this season where he's just building me up. So there's an ebb and a flow about doing and being that needs to be happening. That's part of abiding and being okay in, in both seasons and learning how he develops us in those seasons. Go ahead and go to the next verse here. It says, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. And again, it goes back to that concept that it's his words that are cleansing you. Not anything you have to do, but his word. Go ahead and flip to the next verse here. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will not or will be fruitless unless you live life intimately joined to mine. I just want you to get an image of that today, that apart from his life, in his grace, in his mercies, which are new every morning, our life tends to shrivel and kind of die. Because I don't know about you, but I can go through an entire day and my joy, my love, the sense of peace, patience can get tested and taken in a heartbeat. But what I need to do then is I need to learn to have his abiding presence in me, renewing me, refreshing me, energizing me, and, and bringing me back to life. Go ahead and flip to the next one here. 
He says again, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. And again, God just emphasizing his heart of how important it is for us to stay connected. And I'm just going to skip ahead here. Um, I want to do an exercise and I want to kind of close on some things here. But can we just skip ahead? can we go ahead a slide or uh, go ahead and skip this one? Go ahead and go to the next one. Sorry, I'm just kind of fast forwarding here just for time's sake. There's a whole lot more that I could get into, but go ahead and go to the next one. This is the verse that I just want to focus on. And I wanted to just give you a tool because like, I'm going back to when I first came on staff here. You heard Bill Johnson up here earlier today. And when I first came on staff as a maintenance person, there were things that I didn't know. And Bill is a guy who knows a lot about different things and what tools need to be used for um, getting the task done. And there was a lot of times when I first came on that I relied on his wisdom, his experience, to be able to know what needed to be done. Well, a lot of times my heart is to help give you tools to help practice this kind of a lifestyle. So this is just something that's been very practical for me. There's two things here, and this is from a ministry called Deeper Walk International. These are a guy by the name Marcus Warner, and there's two acrostics that he uses that just can help you connect with God on a daily basis. But I want you to hear this verse, and then I want to just give you time to just kind of go through this acrostic, and you'll see what I mean. Jesus says to you, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And this has been a verse that I've been camping in for several months. And it's, honestly, I told Michelle last night, like, it's kind of been wrecking me. Because I think about the love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I think about where am I in relationship to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I keep seeing him bring me into this image right in the center of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where their eyes are fully on me. And Jesus saying to my heart, I love you, Eric, with the same love that the Father loves me. And I want you to hear that from Jesus' very mouth this morning. Amy, I love you the same way that my father loves me. Dan, I love you the same way that my father loves me. Abby, I love you the same way that my father loves me. Do you hear that from his heart? That is the cry of his heart that he wants to know you at such a deep level. And he's willing to give his son to restore that relationship. And he said, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And, I'll, and again, if you can bring up this next acrostic, because I just want to give you a chance to kind of exercise this a little bit. It's called real. And each one of those letters stand for something. Remember is the first step. So what I want you to do in the next few seconds is to remember a time in your life that God nourished your heart. Or maybe it was a loved one. But just remember that time and go to that place and notice who was around you. So we're just remembering. Maybe it was a loved one. You just felt extremely loved by this person. So you just sit there and you remember it for a second. And then the E, explore it. 
I want you to just kind of sit in that memory and explore it. Was there anybody with you? Who was with you? How did you feel in your body? How did you feel in your five senses? How did your heart feel strengthened in that moment? So you just have permission to explore. And then it's asking questions of the Holy Spirit. God, as I'm remembering this time, is there anything else that you want me to know? And I just want you to be aware of what comes to mind. For some of you, it might be an image. It might be a word. It might be a passage of Scripture. But again, this is just a way to observe what God is doing internally inside of you. And it's making this space, asking him questions. And then the last thing is to listen. Because for so many of us, we want to come to God and we have a lot to say. But it's a two-way street. God wants to talk to you. And one of the greatest avenues for him to talk is for us to listen. is to create that space and just to listen. Just kind of getting this image of if you're having people over to your house, what do you do to prepare an environment for them to feel welcomed? That's kind of what we do in our hearts with the Lord as we invite him in. This is the God of the universe, the God who gave his life for me. I want to listen to what he has to say because to me, the most, important, the most important voice that's going to define my life is the one who created it. And then kind of just end in gratitude, thanking him. And just, I would, I would just encourage you to write, make, make an ongoing journal of these kind of memories where you felt nourished Next thing you know, you've got five or six encounters that you can go back to when you're feeling down or you're discouraged or you're overwhelmed. You can kind of bring yourself back to a place and be like, this is where I saw God work in my life. What's to say that he can't do it again? And then there's just one more here. Um, I'll just kind of give you this tool too. Go ahead and flip to the next one. But this is just the acrostic slow, and this is something that you can do just on a regular, everyday basis. When something's coming up against you in life, the first thing to do sometimes is just to stop. Be still and just quiet yourself. Listen and look. You know, again, it comes back to just being aware of what's going on. What's causing this stress, this anxiety, this fear? What am I aware of? Is it a certain pattern? The O, observe and obey. So as you listen and look around, where do you observe God is? What's he asking you to do? And are we being obedient? And then watch. Simply watch what God does. And I'll give you just an example before I close in just my own life of how I saw this, this tool really helped me out. I worked with a lot of youth several years ago. And we had an incredible night of just worship and ministering to high school students. And I saw student after student. We had these teams that we trained up of how to listen to God's voice. And what we would sit down, we'd have two or three uh, people who were trained in how to listen to God's voice. And they would just minister to the hearts of these students. 
and then we would record it for each student to say, hey, you know, we want to record this. So if there's anything that's said that doesn't agree in your spirit, we're being accountable to that. And you can come back to it and you can listen to it over and over because we believe that it's God's heart for each student. And we had an incredible night, which went two or three hours. And I'm sitting here just amazed at how God is moving. And then the very next day, I get a call um, from some parents. And they were really upset about some of the words that their daughter had gotten. And I'm just kind of like, I remember seeing this girl and how moved she was and how engaged she was. And I'm just, I'm, I'm beginning to ask the Lord, what's going on? Like, it seemed like you were at work and you were doing a great work in this child's, in, in this girl's heart. And I could, I, could, I could just sense a level of fear and frustration from the parent's standpoint. And I began to kind of notice, I stopped and I said, what's going on? I began to listen. God, what, what are you doing in this? How do you want me to respond to this? And then I began to observe, okay, like my tendency that I noticed was I wanted to defend myself. I wanted to defend everything that was happening in that moment. But then I just sought the Lord, and I said, well, what do you have to say about this? And I began to see it from the parent's perspective, and God began to soften my heart. And I said, okay, you know, I know I need to meet with these parents, so I did. And then I was like, okay, what's the attitude and the heart posture I need to take into this meeting? And the Lord just simply said, I need you to have a gentle answer, and I need you to just listen. Don't defend yourself. Don't try to tell them that what the Lord did was really good but just listen. And I began to listen, and God began to show me, you know, the, the level of concern that they had. And it was something that, you know, they hadn't really been used to, and I could see that some of the language we used kind of scared them a little bit. And so I observed, I obeyed, and then I just watched what the Lord did. And I just, I don't even know where these words came from. I just said, hey, look, I'm really sorry. Like, I know I should have probably prepped you as their parent more and what I was doing. And I, I apologize. And if there's anything that we've done, I take full responsibility for that. And next time, if there is a next time, you know, I just want you to know this is how I would handle it. And I saw their hearts just kind of melt. And it meant so much to them that I actually heard and listened to what they had to say. Because I wouldn't have done that in my own strength. Everything in me, when I first got that call, said, you need to be defensive. Like, you need to take this. But yet, God showed me a different way. And that's what I believe carrying God's heart really can look like. Is because he, his ways, his words, his thoughts are so much different than our own. But it takes time. It takes other people in, in, in our lives to be able to show us what this life looks like. kind of take a minute here to see where the Lord kind of wants to land it. Um, there were some things that Jared hit on last week that I thought just really resonated and caught the heart of what God is doing in our church, in the global church, and just in our community as well. And he talked about Acts 2 and Ephesians 4 and how they're a great representation of how we need other people around us. In this last year, we've been isolated, but yet God is drawing us together to do something that I believe is incredible. And Ephesians 4 talks about the five different roles that can often operate in a church. And in Acts, how they were dependent upon each other for the resources, the provisions, and everything else that you just saw happening in Acts, which was incredible. 
And I believe there's these gifts that God is giving us and releasing to us to be able to flow into and that we're all needed. You know, the gift that you have to give may not look like the person sitting next to you, but I want to promise you that there is a place in God's kingdom, in this church, in your community, in your family, that God has called you to specifically, that only you can accomplish. And one of the things that God spoke to my heart is that there's a greater risk of me not stepping out and leading and other people missing out what I have to offer than by me being scared and never fully engaging. Because I've missed too many opportunities in my past where I could have stepped into something and yet I was fearful or I didn't know the outcome. But now I'm coming into a place where I'd say, hey, I'd rather walk into something and engage and lead through the Spirit and have a few mistakes that happen that I can learn from, that I can grow from, and really be positioned in life to um, accomplish the works of God. And so uh, with all that being said, I've asked Carolyn to kind of come up, and, and I kind of just want our heart's response today um, instead of kind of closing and giving you something, is just to have our hearts be positioned and sing back to the Lord how much we love Him. Because I think in this service, He's demonstrated how much His love is for us. And again, I think the greatest things that we can take into the world around us is for us, I mean, almost kind of look at our lives as a cup. Maybe some of you have a cup that's this big and it needs to be filled with joy and love today and God's going to fill that cup. And then the next time you come, he wants to fill the cup this much. Maybe the next time it's, 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 it's a gallon to a five gallon. And then all of a sudden it's this bucket. Our capacity grows with the more encounters we have with God's heart. And I believe he wants to pour into us so that we can be a reflection of that love and that we can be light in a very dark and dying world. We carry life. And as you carry his life inside of you, you get to now carry that to those around you and they get to drink from the living well. Just like Bill said, what's more precious than seeing a soul and a spirit have eternal life and to get to spend eternity with our father? And I shared this image that God had given me over these last couple of weeks, and then we'll go back in, and I just want to turn it over to Carolyn to close us. But I believed it was an image that God had for his church today, and for us in particular, and it was of these redwood trees. And if you know anything about redwood trees, they're out in California. How many of you guys have ever been to see them? Has anybody ever been to see them out there? I've heard they're just magnificent. They're these huge 300-foot trees, and they're huge in diameter. You can't even get your arms around them. And God brought this image to my mind and I began to kind of think on these things and I began to research them and I found that they're 300 feet, some tall, 300 feet tall, but yet their root systems only go 6 to 12 feet below the surface. And I'm thinking, man, these things are massive. How can they withstand the winds and the floods that come? And you know what I looked at? He said, look at the root system. And he said, it doesn't matter how deep the roots go, but what the roots do is they spread 50 feet wide. And these things live in groves. And what their root systems do is they lock roots and they build a root system together in community and nothing can penetrate it. And I believe that was an image that God is raising up within his church to say, you need to be a people. We are a people who know the love of God, whose lives are gonna make a difference. And we're going to be thankful for everything that we have. 
And when one of us is feeling weak, the others that are strong can come alongside of us. Because the strong and the weak need to be together. Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of days I feel weak. And it's through being connected. It's through God being connected with me where I feel the strongest. And the other thing that I found amazing about these trees was this. I felt the Lord just say, why don't you look at how their bark, their bark system works and how the, their DNA? And so I did. And the thing that was fascinating to me is that their DNA is eternal and never dies. And what happens when their root systems lock is they take the life source from that tree. Even if it dies, the DNA goes out into the other trees and it produces life in other trees. And so even when that that tree physically dies, the DNA of it goes into other trees and more trees sprout up. And to me, that was a great image of what God does in his people. He says, draw strength from each other. Live life together. Because you have an example. Jesus sent his son into the world to be an example for each one of us. To say, look, my son lived in perfect relationship with me during the hardest, darkest time in history. But that fellowship was never broken. And I believe we can live in a place like that with God today. Unbroken fellowship in your life. Unity in the body of Christ. When we see division all over the world. The thing that defines us is our ability to abide in Christ's strength and to be strengthened by him so that that life now can be brought into a world that desperately needs it. So my prayer today, and my prayer has been, since Michelle and I have been here, is that this is who we are. This is who we're becoming. And I'm excited about the people. I'm excited about each one of you that I've gotten to know you, the ones that I've yet to know. And I'm excited about the ones that God is bringing. I'm excited about Patrick being over there with our children right now. And I'm I'm thankful. I mean, I see Marie over here. And I see the foundation that she laid for our families, for my children. from a place of her being loved by her father. And she poured herself into this church. Jared has done the same thing. Pastor Sprecher before him. The baton has been passed and we are passing it to the next generation. The eternal flame does not die. We carry his image. And just like the DNA in those redwoods, that DNA cannot be dis- cannot be put out. That flame cannot be put out. So I just want to encourage you. Can we just rise? 
And I just want your heart to be filled with joy and gladness that you're in this place today because I'm glad you're here. The Father's glad that you're here. And I think we're all glad just to be together. And so I want our heart's response to just come before him and declare your love for him. Like Jared said, declare what he's done in your life back to him. And just tell him, God, I love you. And I'm thankful that I don't have to produce this relationship with you, but that you've already produced it. And I want you to be encouraged that you're already in the vine, that you're a branch, that you're already connected. So just connect with him in your own way in these next few minutes as we close, and then Carolyn's just going to send us out into the world to demonstrate that love. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we hope that you'll join us in person for a service soon. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. God bless you.